welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. And today I've got a special guest with me from the podcast Glitter Boys. I've got NPC. NPC, can you tell us about that name? Uh, <laughs> it's pretty yeah. amazing. <laughs> Thanks for having me here. My yeah, my name is actually Nathaniel, and my middle name is Philip. My last name is Cole. And so I didn't realize until I was like well into my 20s that suddenly one day I was like, wait a second. And the <laughs> Those are my initials. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then I just started using it every everything I did. That's great. That's great. I, I just thought it was a random name made up when I first started listening to the podcast. Your podcast, you talk a lot about the Palladium system and rifts. Yeah. yeah, it all started back when Matthew, my co-host, uh, Matthew and I were doing another podcast uh, called Have Movies Will Game, where we talked a lot about, you know, movies that we really loved, what made those movies awesome, and then how to take those movies and find gaming inspiration from them. And a, a lot of times we ended up just defaulting to Palladium systems. And then Matthew and I were like, <laughs> we sure do talk a lot about Palladium. <laughs> and, and then we just decided to do the Glitter Boys which I, I fell in love with the logo as soon as we had it commissioned. And from that point forward, it's like, there's no doubt. This is our name. Yep. Oh, the, the logo is wonderful. It's <laughs> I think it was described as a Lisa Frank version of a glitter boy for the podcast. I think someone has said. Yeah, I got connected with this artist named Shane Aldridge. Uh, Sean Aldridge, sorry. <laughs> and he, I said, a, I said, Sean, what we want is a logo for this can i say the glitter boys and here's a here's a reference image of what a glitter boy actually looks like i just want you to take its head give it those cute little kitty eyes and <laughs> uh, make it look like lisa frank vomited all over it he sent it in <laughs> one take and that was it it's like yep boom perfect done <laughs> that's great that's great i do yeah. like that it's, it's, it's cool now how long have you been playing palladium games let's see i am 41 now and i started uh, around the age of 10. So you've been playing probably about the same length that I have at yeah. this point. When I was born in 78. We started playing. I think the first one we ran into was my buddy ran into Robotech, but I got heavy into heroes. And by 1990, 91, we were all in for the rifts. Oh that yeah. That was coming out. We were big fans. And that was a big influence on our games. Wasn't my Palladium wasn't my first role-playing experience, but it was early. And it gets a bad rap sometimes these days from people. <laughs> I have noticed that. It's unfortunate. I wanted to defend Palladium on here because I think I don't think we have too many Palladium listeners, a few. I know a lot of people that listen are into some of the OSR games and rules light games, and it's anything but the rules light games. You know, uh, okay, <laughs> a bit of a preface. Before I start grandstanding about how much I love Palladium and defending <laughs> them, I'd at least like to state I do have some nerd cred here. I've played other systems. I've played <laughs> my my gaming shelf has I think about four hundred. Last I cataloged, I actually paid somebody last year to sit in my basement and <laughs> go through and on a spreadsheet catalog every single book I have, including scanning its barcode in. So last I looked, I think I had about four hundred twenty-one gaming books. So I've got. A lot of experience with other systems. I've published games all of the in the um, small press indie categories, past the stick around the campfire kind of storytelling stuff. But I always keep coming back to Palladium because as much as I love all of these other games, Palladium 
Despite what a lot of people will say online about its system, Palladium is simple. I find its mechanics very simple, very, very easy to use and very refreshing. It's just a very simple D20 roll high system for combat and a very simple D percentile roll low system for skills. That's been in ev- so many games have those things. I don't understand why they're so complicated. Yeah, the basic mechanics of running it, I run it very streamlined, very simple, and it's just those basic mechanics. I think that I've found in running it over the years, especially with this last campaign when we started it, the most difficult thing is that character creation can take a long time compared to like if you're playing a year zero engine game or BX where you're done with the character in 10 minutes. This is definitely not that when it comes to character creation. It is definitely not. Back in the day, it would take us days to create Palladium characters. But today, you know, there's a there's a point where you realize what exactly defines the character, right? So, you know, you've got your stats and your skills, but your stats and your skills aren't really what defines the character. What I find best for introducing new players to a system that has such an intense character creation process is identifying the snags in palladium a lot of the snags are writing down skills yes you've got to find the skills you've got to calculate their base percentages you've got to figure out what all goes in you've got to write this long ass list of skills many of which beget other skills beget <laughs> more and it's very complicated what i tell players instead is forget all that write down what this guy's all about just give me a sentence Tell me what this guy's all about. Give me some stats and write down just the names of the skills that matter. When it comes time to use the skills, that's when we'll go back. We'll just pull up this ultimate edition I have here with the pages bookmarked. We'll find you that skill number and then you write it down. And then we can just start playing, you know? Well, when I used to roll up characters, especially when I was younger and I'd spend just hours rolling up characters, I I ran a lot of Heroes Unlimited. Heroes Unlimited was our number one Palladium game. I was a huge <laughs> comic geek. For about 10 years, we had our own little superhero world we had built up with a history going from the 40s to the future to Rift's Earth, and it was extravagant. We had a lot of fun with it. But what I like to do with the skill packages and stuff is sit there and think while I'm grabbing them, who is this person and why on earth would they really know this and how would they have learned this and who and kind of try to get a feel for the character I was creating when I was doing the skill process of choosing them. Everybody gets boxing, but the question is who actually has the time to box? (laughs) How did you learn it? You know? Yeah. Yeah. So it was always those kinds of things that the skill process, if you take the time to kind of use it in that way and approach it, it's a little more interesting and helps you flesh your character out, figuring out who the character is. But I do understand it can be a, a process calculating each skill at the beginning of character creation. <laughs> you know, I think that you just hit on something that connects with uh, a, a mindset that I've noticed a lot lately. When we were gaming a lot in our youth, the primary method of character creation was to figure out what this guy's about and divine the concept of the character and let the character come to life on its own. The mentality a lot now seems to be know exactly who you're playing before you put the numbers on the paper. So people will come to the table and say, I'm going to play this person. They're going to do this and this and this and this. And that's it. And they they have now predestined their character's entire gaming life from that point forward through some kind of mechanical 
you know rpg calvinism and it suddenly it's like there's no there's no uh room for deviation for growth whereas it used to be like you sit down you don't even know what the dice are going to come up with you just sit down you maybe pick a race because it'll affect the stats that you roll and then you roll the dice in line and see what happens and with palladium i think you have to keep that mentality like like sure you might think i want to play a juicer but first you should roll the dice and see if the dice allow you to play the juicer and then go from there I was a fan of, especially when I started getting into some of the old, some of the more like starting playing more of the old school thing as it's yeah. coming around. Like when, when third edition came out, I kind of abandoned the newer stuff and went back to second edition and started playing a lot more D and D. And I was a fan of the whole idea that your character is Luke from the farm. As they say, you're about <laughs> to, you're about to flesh out that story. Like you're going to find yeah. out who you are from here. And that's a big thing. I think that people, I think that's a positive in most role-playing games is being able to be that loop from the farm, that fresh off there and finding out who your character is in game. The backstory is what we're going to make together. It's not all the way people play, but I'm a big fan of that style and approach. I agree. I, I love that style. And I think Palladium with its clear, definite, obvious influence in comic books. Oh, I yes. think Palladium is meant to be played with that in mind like you don't sit down to read a comic book knowing what's going to happen to anybody in the series what's fun about when you're working with heroes unlimited and some of the other games where you're creating your characters like heroes unlimited has all these charts of random powers and stuff and you can get if you go by that instead of like picking because i know a lot of times when we were younger we would pick and customize the character we want we would i'm gonna be honest they, a lot of times we were doing rip off superheroes from other yeah. superheroes <laughs> <laughs> that's not wolverine that's the bear <laughs> the bear was one of my big ones um and when you're rolling those random powers tables it was fun when i was dming especially to see what came up and trying to make them work together to see what was what was what was coming out of this what kind of unique thing evolved from this and heroes unlimited especially has some man it's got some tables <laughs> for rolling powers it's also got some really strange entries on the list like at things that aren't balanced against each other i don't know if second or revised or whatever fixed this problem but one of the major powers was clock manipulation <laughs> which was one of the most worthless powers in the universe i don't know why it was a major power and then you have things like spin at extraordinary speed <laughs> wait so i'm the tasmanian devil <laughs> well they got the set the revised edition or this is it a second edition i think there's a revised then the second yeah isn't that how it went yeah, the one that we played back in the day had the bluish cover and it showed somebody doing like a left cross. Yes. Left now, I'm pretty sure that was Steranko who did that cover as well yeah. as the next cover that came out in the late eight or late 90s. But they used that same cover in multiple versions. So they had Heroes Unlimited, the original, and then they had a revised yeah. that used the same cover that just said revised. And there were, like they do, there were some other updates in between books. So some printings may have had other things in them as they did. That's that's how Palladium works. <laughs> Stealth edits. So by the time you got to the second edition, they introduced like mega heroes and stuff. And it was off the hook. There was way more yeah. stuff in there. Then they started putting out books of more powers. And the more power, a lot of the more power books were much later. Um, but there's some good books. There's lots of powers in there if you're looking for them. We've been running riffs, though. You've been doing a riffs game as well, correct? We did 
I had, well, uh, so when COVID became like a huge freaking thing here in the States and uh, we had to move all of our games online, uh, that it meant the end of several games that I was in at the time because they just didn't translate well to an online medium. So that's when I decided I was going to start collecting Palladium books again and run a Rifts game because I went back and listened to some of our old episodes of the movie sh- the the movie podcast and I was like, man, I really really want to get Rifts back at the table. So uh, at the time, my collection of Palladium books was about one little IKEA cubby, and now it's seven <laughs> gummies that I that is recollected in the last year because I, I've shed so many in various moves across the country but to answer your question we started a campaign and then I started another campaign that was simultaneous with it and then later we merged the two campaigns into one unified campaign and that lasted for about a year and a half there was a period of time there when riffs books were very unwanted it seemed and i had sold some off over the years i still had actually quite a few i'd say i was down to about a dozen or no just riffs book about a dozen but then i had other palladium books as well and i had i started buying up more palladium books a few years back because they showed up at the game store they were a dollar 99 plus when you 20 percent off when you i was like i filled everything up i could there (laughs) i was like oh they're dirt cheap and got the whole almost everything I needed at that point. And a lot of the stuff that I had sold off over the years or lost over the years, I was able to replenish for nothing. I went in there and spent 40 bucks and they're at like two bucks a pop plus 20% off. I did that a couple of times. And I had a lot of books <laughs> lucked out there. I've not been seeing as much of that lately with the dirt cheap riffs books floating around. And after I bought those, I started ordering them full price start order some stuff from the palladium site and stuff like that getting my special edition hardcovers is the current thing i've been getting on here lately yeah they for a, a good period of time were in all of the bargain bins um which you know was good for us who were recollecting i think that they're getting a bit of a what's what's what a comeback no a resurgence in popularity i think so um, yeah I've heard more. I've heard more. I definitely hear the people saying negative things about the system yeah. and stuff like that. But I'm seeing a lot of positive. I'm definitely seeing a lot more people, especially when they're releasing these hardbacks. I've seen a lot of people I interact with, yeah, picking them up, getting excited for them. They're gorgeous. I think that this Savage Rifts coming around has rekindled a lot of people's interest in the older product. Yeah, and yeah. I'll be. I I've I picked up. I've got like the Savage Rifts box and the Savage Worlds book. I think it's an older one. I'm not. I I, I honestly just prefer running the regular Rifts and Palladium yeah. system because I know it better. <laughs> and I've I've got the arts well, nice. <laughs> we in our show on the Glitter Boys, we have an episode about Savage Rifts, and it's a long one. And I, I will people want to hear my my full feelings on the matter they can go listen to that the condensed version is for many 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 years i was a huge savage worlds fan and you know we obviously know here i'm a huge palladium fan especially for rifts i felt that savage rifts wasn't a good rift setting wasn't a good rifts game nor was it a good savage worlds game because at least the first box set i've never touch the adventure edition stuff because 
anyway, the first box set, I felt that the the rules were more complicated than Savage Worlds needed to be, and that they spent too much time trying to cram everything in instead of like opening up the world and giving a, a simpler framework for building things. It wasn't fast and it wasn't furious. And therefore, for me, it wasn't fun. Yeah, I, I can't say I've tried to play it yet. Um, I've had Savage World stuff floating around for a while. I've played a lot of systems as one I haven't delved into at this point. And I just stuck with, I have enough Palladium and Rifts books. Yeah. I don't need to, I don't want to, like, just yeah. let's, let's use these. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I want to I reuse the material. And yeah. it, it's right there on my shelf. And I've got like, you know, at this point, I think I've got 50 something rifters. Uh, there's there's 80 something now. I just we've been leaning into <laughs> I've been leaning into for the this campaign, um, like the original source book, uh, the original vampires world book. A lot of the earlier books is where I've been starting. Oh, yeah, there we go. James T. James T. Kirk, 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 Kirk. <laughs> yeah, we just recorded last night two episodes talking about the Rift source book. Yeah. I, I'm a big fan of it. There's a yeah. there's a new. I actually only recently picked up the revised edition of that because I didn't have any of the revised books. I haven't explored it as much as I have the original with Archie and everything. I'm a big fan of that book. It's got a lot of history. Some of the first stuff we played in Rifts was in there. So yeah, I'm I'm it brings back memories and I'm excited. I've got a whole group. Some newer players. Some don't role play as much and. uh our original group, when we rolled up characters, we had a dozen people show up to game. <laughs> we, we whittled it out down to about seven or eight players. Yeah. That's pretty manageable. <laughs> I was like, I'm sure not all 12 is going to come back every week. I was, we're about seven or eight, I think the lowest we've had so far in a night. Well, we, we only started this after everybody got vaccinations. We tried our first in-game, in-person game. Yeah. That's how new this has been, so. Everybody came back. It was, I think there was an excitement to get out and play a role-playing game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was with us. We had a, towards the earlier stage of this year, the Rifts games were kind of falling apart due to scheduling and whatnot. And I had a Dungeon Crawl Classics group on Thursday nights that- Oh, uh, play it Friday. <laughs> what, that finally switched to being in person. And I remember when we, once we had all been vaccinated and we all waited that period of time and we all- came back in person for that first in-person DCC session. It was just, it was emotional. Like, yeah. like oh my God, human contact. <laughs> We're in the same room. We could hug. It was, it was wonderful. And from that point forward, I was like, yeah, I can't keep running games online anymore. It just isn't satisfying me as a game master. We've been running uh, a lot online since COVID. I definitely need a table game. Like it's, you're right. There is something missing there. I also enjoy the fact I've been able to get more games in and play with a few extra people. We've widened our group as well. Yeah. So I'm uh, probably going forward. I'm probably going to do person in person and online just so I can get as many games in as I want. <laughs> At a point, I can't leave my kids every night to go play. But if I go out in the basement, they don't want nothing to do with me because they're teenagers brooding in the room. They ain't pay attention to me anyways down here playing games. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This like my my recording studio is also my gaming studio. And I in 2019 I got this huge freaking table and then 2020 comes around and I'm like well I just guess I don't get to use it anymore oh, no. <laughs> so now that we're finally back around the table it's 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 so there's just that 
energy in sharing the same space with people. You don't have to, you don't have to deal with the time lag. You jokes are more funny because everybody is there and that energy is building up and it's fluctuating. And there's that, that collective power of being together creates, in my opinion, better stories Uh, it's to me a big part of gaming is that social element and interacting with the people who are at the game that's a large part of it i miss things like when we were playing just recently well well, maybe it was one of the first few weeks when we were playing i had one of my players she had to roll a 20 to not get hit at that point it's like like looking at this the only way like numerically you're not going to get attacked by this zombie creature coming at you is if you roll a natural 20 well, give it a shot. And she pulls out her little rainbow dice bag and pulled out yes. that dice. And everybody was watching like it ain't going to happen. And then, boom, the whole table erupted. Those moments don't happen quite right the same way when you're playing on the Internet. That just doesn't. Yeah. Even if it pops up on roll 20. Like it's not the same. My roll 20 lag. So yeah, five minutes after everybody else goes, Woo! I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, everything good. <laughs> it's not the same. You're not experiencing it simultaneously. So yeah, if you're going to be yeah, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> I could talk for hours about how online gaming irritates me. And I, I get that it's a lot of it's the it's what some people have to do. And uh and I'm sorry. <laughs> it is. It's not my favorite. I never did it yeah. until COVID hit, but I do think I'm going to probably do it some more to keep certain games a certain player. We got quite a few players who picked up around the country in a yeah. few of our games. So there's certain nights like, yeah, we're going to stay online to keep them involved. But so as it comes to riffs, none of them play riffs. They all, many of them have problems with the Palladium system and talk negatively about it, unfortunately. <laughs> my feeling on that is a lot of the people that bandy around the same old adage about palladium games that i got a feeling that based upon the way a lot of people phrase it they haven't ever actually played it palladium is admittedly very poorly organized in its presentation of books finding what you want to find is very difficult so i do 100 agree that the games are not presented well they they, they are still trapped in this age old tried and true according to them book formatting method that is still today exactly as it was back in the day when palladium started but yeah they haven't changed much yeah they haven't not at all (laughs) but still the content there i think is fantastic and the system the system is deceptively simple like you look at it and you think oh god this how am i ever going to learn this and you know I, I get that. Learning how to play it can be difficult. But once you've played it, it just sort of falls into place. Like, oh, yeah. oh, it totally makes sense. It's simple. I just roll a d20, I add a thing, and I beat a number. Boom, I'm done. I don't think that we actually ever played anything correctly growing up. <laughs> like, we got everything wrong. And it didn't matter, and I didn't care. It gave us enough structure to make the game we were going to play when I rolled up those character sheets. I, I think that everybody plays every game with house rules and a lot of times doesn't even know it. Yeah. I, I take the, the classic example of the board game Monopoly. Everybody knows how to play Monopoly. And, you know, everybody's like, oh, yeah, you hit on free parking, you get all that money. But that's not a rule of the game. That is a house rule. That is a house rule that has been perpetuated 
through time immemorial and when people teach people to play monopoly they teach with that house rule because they learned it from someone who learned it from someone who learned it to play learned to play it that way and i feel that so many people play palladium games that way they're like oh the, the game is supposed to go like this and then you're like wait a second that's not actually the rule. <laughs> <laughs> no, we had my actually my daughter and, and us had this recently at my in-laws house, the whole discussion about the free parking being the house rule and not the real rules. <laughs> I love yeah. that you brought that up. Yeah, it doesn't matter. In the end, at the end, I grew up in a manner where hacking games and come up with your own rules mm -hmm. and house rules was dominant in every game we played. Uh, the idea of playing things strictly by the book or rules is written. I have a hard time with, I have a hard time. I ran uh, pathfinder rise of the rune Lords. I had a rough time with that system, trying to stick with it. If I can run pathfinder, I can definitely run palladium. Now what? <laughs> like I am not looking up nearly as much stuff when I'm running a palladium <laughs> game as I am when I'm running pathfinder. That's it's just, feats and everything there's a lot to it and everyone is different at least in palladium the skills are all percentage for the most part <laughs> i years ago i think i've tried to play pathfinder as a player on three different occasions and each time i just noped the hell out of there it was just not for me it's it's i've ran it twice now i don't think i'm gonna i i some things are rough for me to run and uh the third edition era D D with all the feats and extra skills and all of those things i find a little bit much to keep in mind when i'm playing that doesn't run smoothly for me yeah. uh, some other people may be more into it may know the rules better i know palladium better than other things so a little bit easier for me to run <laughs> agreed yeah i i know palladium very well which is to say I think I know it very well. Yes. Oftentimes I'll find out that I'm running it differently <laughs> than, than is printed. And, you know, in those cases, right on. Yeah, I've also found multiple like things in different different Palladium games that where, oh, well, it says this here, it says something else in another. So at a point, it's just like any other game I play now. Like I play a lot of old uh, old school style games, lots of hacks and stuff like that. We use lots of, we look for house rules and other people's little publications and zines and add it in. There's no difference with Palladium. Biggest difference is they don't have an open game license, which I'd love for the Palladium system to have out there. That would be cool. <laughs> I really, really strongly agree with that. I think that they, that Palladium would only benefit from making their stuff open and letting their fans create content for their system. It would do, it, it would, it, yeah. <laughs> it would push people to want to go back and buy, yeah. rebuy or buy a lot of the stuff they've put out to begin with, especially the core books. Mm -hmm. And it would only like with things like Black Hack and White Hack and Into the Odd and all these other things people have done with classic D&D, people would be doing those kinds of hacks for the Palladium system give you a lot to work with if they ever did a modernization or a new addition to see what came out of the community at the end of the day it could only be healthy for the game that's my personal opinion on it I, I share that opinion and if anybody hasn't heard of it there's sometimes it can be kind of difficult to find but it's out there it's called microlite platinum which is somebody made an osr version of the palladium rules it's uh, with all of the serial numbers filed off, of course, but it's it's out there. Microlite Platinum. I just wrote that called. down because when I when I'm done with this, 
I'm definitely going to be looking for that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely curious to read that. That's the kind of thing I gravitate towards and get into reading there. I like that. Yeah, I think it's the Palladium rules explained in like two or three pages. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. That's a necessary thing. This is how we're going to play. These are the rules. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, before we're off here, I want to talk a little bit about Rifts itself as kind of the flat because Rifts is probably the flagship of the Palladium universe or the Palladium world. Would you agree to that? I would say it's the one that, yeah, yeah, flagship. It's the flag. <laughs> the flagship it, it is the term, yeah. It became the flag. It became the dominant one. There's a lot of games out there. There's some quirky, odd ones that came out over the years that aren't, are, that aren't as popular as others, but there's, that was the flagship. Uh, and that didn't show up for the first almost 10 years of Palladium. I'm going to try to sell somebody here that's listening to my podcast on the concept of rifts, probably an OSR, let's say someone's playing, we get a lot of it, we get a lot of traffic for old school essentials and things like that. So I'm assuming a lot of the people who are listening are into that style of game. So how would you pitch it to one of those folks? I don't have a one sentence pitch, but what you don't I have would to be say... a sentence. We got quite a few minutes. Okay. <laughs> What I try to tell people is that Rifts, you, it, it makes sound like a post-apocalyptic game, but it's really a post-post-apocalyptic game. It's an apocalyptic game where the apocalypse has happened and the apocalypse is over and there are vestiges of it left over, but the world is recovering. So you, it's, it is a post-destruction, reconstruction era, kind of gonzo out there, anything and everything in the kitchen sink sci-fi <laughs> setting uh it i know this sounds cheap but their tagline for rifts is unleash your imagination and it's so true it really is the more i talk about it and the more i read their books and the more i play it it's it's really the simplest way to describe it you can play freaking anything in <laughs> rifts anything you can think of there's probably already a character class treatment of it out there. And you can play anything from, you know, Bob the janitor who just woke up one day and the world was destroyed. And it's like, oh, well, all right. And all he's got is a stick and he's going to go forth and clean the apocalypse from, you know, a, a 50 foot tall transforming flying robot with 17 attacks per round who could probably blow up a planet in five of those attacks <laughs> if they're concentrated at the right point <laughs> on the globe it's there's there's no there's really no limit to how you can approach the game i'm a big i i'd say that when i do run it i lean heavy into the gonzo side of things i like to pull crazy stuff out i like to be I have a bad habit to where I've realized, I just realized this. A lot of times I'm running games as if I've got a punchline at the end, like it's a big joke. <laughs> trying to bring up the craziest, most weird, bizarre fantasy or whatever thing at, in, in a game just kind of tends to be what I get into. And we have, I just throw everything at the wall when it comes to riffs and just go over the top and have fun with it. People seem to like it. And anything's game. <laughs> fantasy science fiction you name it i game with a lot of anime fans and i like to tell people and there are some series that you can gain some great inspirations from if you want to get a you know general 
idea of what rifts might look like. There's Fist of the North Star is a fantastic one. Uh, Gun X Sword is another one. Uh, Cannon Busters. All of these are series that have these, these bizarre earth-like settings where something was destroyed and everything's being rebuilt and just some crazy shit out there to encounter there's um oh god it just slipped my tongue uh, thundar the barbarian oh yeah yeah that's that i like to tell people about <laughs> yeah if, if you can go back to the 80s and re- remember thundar and you can mm-hmm. even find it on dvd now thundar is it's a great source of inspiration. Yeah. Oh, here's, I'm really bad with anime. I don't know much about it, but here's, this is going to date me a little bit. The anime that I did have on VHS back in the day were the old Palladium released Robotech oh, yeah. VHS. Mm-hmm. We used to have those on VHS. And a large amount of my anime was from that era getting it. My buddy had like Macross on VHS and he was always, and this is the guy that introduced me to riffs originally. He was really into Robotech stuff. So we had all those old, that's a lot of the anime that I had seen. A few of those old ones like Akira, but outside of that, I'm a little bit out of it. But that anime was put out here in the U.S. by Palladium. (laughs) When I run riffs, I focus often less on the gonzo and more on the human element of things i prefer characters that are all generally themselves lower on the power scale but surrounded by things that are much more powerful than them and then having to either survive said power imbalance or overcome it by by gaining more power and i love that I love exploring the world initially, especially with new players and not letting them start the game with the boom gun, but eventually maybe acquire the boom gun. Well, the core book of Rifts has a lot of non-combatant character classes. And our party is made up of quite a few people who are not combatant related characters, scholars, um doctors things like that there's a lot of options you have that aren't fighting in riffs i'm not a big combat person in role-playing games to begin with i tend to think if you're going to kill something just uh, you could get killed and that's just how it is so if you're going to engage in that kind of i'm going to kill everything i see your chances of dying are probably higher than others kind of take a real life common sense to this interaction you don't get along with the sheriff you're going to kill him probably not you're gonna end up in jail or worse <laughs> yeah it, it's a it's a system and setting that is most survivable if your player characters approach combat as warfare like if you just like oh there's some bad guys i'm just gonna go in gun slinging you're probably not gonna survive unless the gm's just like oh fine let's get this over with and move on like you've you've really got to use the environment to your advantage you've got to make sure and try and only get into the fights that you start and that you start with the intention of winning quickly we're coming about on time that's about all we've got time for today (laughs) this goes by quick when we're doing this usually to me it does wow (laughs) if you've enjoyed what you've heard you can find us on facebook just search wobblies and wizards wobblies and wizards.com is our blog NPC, could you tell people where to find you and the Glitter Boys and and Breakfast Puppies? <laughs> well, the, the best place to find me online would be breakfastpuppies.com. I've got all of my podcasts running through that network. 
Uh, there's also Glitter Boys. You just search for Glitter Boys, but it's B-O-I-S. You can find us on all of the podcasting platforms. We've got another podcast that's kind of a, a Pacific Northwest focused thing called Bikers, Dice, and Bars. It's a lot of fun. But uh, I've also I also produce role playing games. Uh, there's one that I just two days ago released uh, the newest semifinal beta test draft of it's called Gitaibushido. It is a, a game of it is inspired by Voltron and the Power Rangers. It's kind of my love letter to an old anime called Gunbuster, and it's uh, I can send some links if you want to include them. But yeah. yeah. If you send me links, I will put them in the show notes. Definitely. And keep those dice rolling.